Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Again, we'd like to welcome everyone. This is the uh, Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. Uh, we got a special guest with us today, Lanier, Lanier Richardson. This is actually a, a follow-up to um, an earlier show that we, we did, Lanier. Um, you know, obviously, I, I think it was about six months ago. I, I saw a note, I think it was September, maybe, when we got together, which was about six months ago. You know, we talked about how there, there's all this buzz about George Floyd and how we need to help minority businesses and everything else. We underwent that research of trying to figure out, is this really happening or is it not happening? You know, is that money going out? You know, to, to kind of just really drill down on the point, I wanted to circle up on that. But if you don't mind, give us a little background on yourself just briefly for those who may have missed the earlier podcast, and, um, and then we'll kind of dive into that if that's okay with you. Absolutely. So I'm Lanier Richardson. I lead the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers Business School. I'm also a full-time professor there. I've been in this role for about eight years. And also since 2016, I've led a social enterprise that invests in commercial real estate and urban distress, you know, systemically, you know, discriminated against neighborhoods. The cool thing is over the last two years, we bought four shopping centers in partnership with 130 Black, local, and small impact investors. Oh, wow. Uh, we we um, benefit from patient strategic capital. I'm always making the case that to do neighborhood revitalization work, you need patient flexible capital. And a lot of that's been largely foundation, and but also some of the banks. And so, you know, when all those announcements were happening a year or two years ago, it's almost two years ago now, you know, I was, you know, I was, you know, looking at it and right in the middle of saying, all right, who's going to follow through and, you know, how would the world be different going forward? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So to get to the nitty gritty, what, what have you found out? I, I saw a, um, a research study not long ago, which came from your office that, that kind of had some statistical analysis information on it as to what we're actually seeing in the marketplace. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find that this morning as to uh, where I saved it. But it's, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. I mean, really, I always tell people that I am a, a university professor, but I'm a practitioner. Uh, there, are some professors in the university who do, you know, true academic research. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a practitioner. I'm always trying to find out sort of practical solutions and implementable models that can test you know, academic thesis and and contest, you know, program announcements. And so our survey work really set forth three questions based on what people were hearing. Mm -hmm. The questions were, do you, are you aware of the commitments made by, you know, big corporations? Uh, I think we picked 30 of them or 31 of them. Are you aware that they made these commitments? Do you believe that they'll actually follow through on the commitments? And do you know anybody black or you know a black-led organization that actually got cash? You know, that got some capital as a result of these announcements. Very, you know, straightforward. Do you 
And the goal was always that we would find a few good actors and highlight them mm-hmm. and have conversations with them. And that by doing that, the folks who weren't at the top of the list might say, you know, hey, you know, you should know about what we're doing and we want to help. So very, you know, straightforward. Let me ask some questions. Let me see if I can get some conversations going. Mm-hmm. We had about 550 people to complete the survey, uh, about a six-week period. And, you know, the summary was, you know, it's like, who knew, right? So people who we asked of all the people, are you aware of the commitments and pledges to support Black entrepreneurs and Black-led organizations and Black business initiatives? J.P. Morgan Chase, most people were aware of their announcement. You can imagine, you know, J.P. Mor- Jamie Dimon. Uh-huh. And the J.P. Morgan Chase team have really done a great job of, of articulating this issue, of suggesting why their you know th- their approach, why you know now is the right time to do something different, and they've added some really significant you know staff members or you know team members to their to their leadership staff and team uh-huh. implement. So J.P. Morgan Chase was at the top of that list. About forty percent of the respondents you know were aware of the commitments of J.P. Morgan Chase followed by Facebook, followed by Google, followed by Amazon, followed by Bank of America. So it was interesting that two of the big banks and three of the tech companies were at the top top of that list. And we asked about all of the tech companies, you know, just going from Dell to Uber to, you know, IBM. We asked about all the financial services companies, you know, as Wells Fargo's been in the news again. Just wish Wells Fargo would call you and I, Joel, and say, "Man, can y'all come help us figure this out?" Yeah, you know, they've yeah. been in the news, and it just seems like they just, you know, would benefit by some practical, you know, advice and guidance. And just, but you know, we had Wells Fargo, City, PNC, all were on the list as well. And then we say, also, I was going to say Wells needs to tie their shoelaces, man, because they keep falling down on this issue, man. I wish they would. Again, <laughs> they just need some, and from my vantage point, some real insight. Yeah. Insight and and you know almost base level, you know speaking truth to power about you know here's where there's opportunities here's how you can do some stuff here's how you can be impactful exactly uh, and and then finally we asked about all of the some of the retail Walmart mm-hmm. Verizon and AT and T so people were generally aware right that these folks had made these big commitments right that. They were going to do something, you know, $60 billion plus, I keep hearing that growth of commitments made. So at least people were aware. And then we said, who do you believe? So this is, all right, Joe, you know, you, you have you heard us? Yeah, I heard of J.P. Morgan Shares Twitter. Well, who do you believe is actually going to give people money? Just, just who, you know, almost talking to, you know, to people of color, to entrepreneurs of color. Who do you believe? Mm-hmm. And interestingly, very similar list. Google was at the top of that list. Microsoft and Amazon, people believed they would get capital to the entrepreneurs. Right. Followed by J.P. Morgan Chase. And then Walmart made that list as well. Interesting. Okay. People really believe that those are the companies that all these big announcements, you know, the tech companies, J.P. Morgan Chase again, mm-hmm. and Walmart were the ones that people really felt like would get the capital to the entrepreneurs. Right. And then finally, just as a just a brief summary so we can have our conversation, we said, well, do you know? Who do you know? Do you know, Joe? Hey, Joe, you believe that you've heard that Amazon or J.P. Morgan Chase is going to got these big billion dollar commitments. 
Do you believe it? You heard they who they believe. Then we say, all right, do you know anybody? Anybody that's a black entrepreneur or a black led organization that actually has received money from any of these companies that have been listed? And at the top of the list was Google, followed closely by JP Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. Facebook, Goldman Sachs, interestingly, and Amazon. So, you know, so it seems like between Goldman Sachs, Facebook, Amazon, people knew of their, were aware of their commitments, believed it, and actually know somebody who got money. So, you know, similarly with J.P. Morgan Chase, those four companies, of uh, 31 companies surveyed, they were in the top five on each one of the, um, the survey questions. You know, Goldman Sachs, Walmart also showed up favorably, Bank of America as well. So, again, this is you know, as you would call it, grassroots type of analysis and, you know, feedback, right? Mm -hmm. You know, scientific in that the survey was uh, impartial and, you know, unanimous and all that stuff. So we got nice survey size. The question is, how do we keep building on it? We ask about uh, the companies. Can we get J.P. Morgan Chase and Google to the account, your show, uh, shows like yours to say, how are you doing this? You know, why why did you show up well? as well as some of the other folks who we mentioned, uh, you know, Wells Fargo or any of the other players, you know, hey, you make these commitments. What don't people know or believe that you're doing, that you could be doing, you know, or, you know, how can we help you achieve, you know, the goal of your big announcement? That's where we're going. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of, um, you know, how this all came together. You know, if you remember, we kept going back and forth about, well, who's really doing it, you know, and, and I appreciate you using the, uh, the Rutgers, um, you know, foundation basically to, to push that forward uh, and the resources yeah. of the university. But you're absolutely right. You know, now the, the issue becomes, all right, how do we how do we walk the walk and how do we even make it better? You know, so that it's not kind of a one off. Um, you know, one thing that would be interesting to see is out of the 60 billion, how much is actually going out? You know, is it one billion? Is it 10 million? <laughs> I mean, what exactly is that number, you know, and maybe we can look at that as a phase two to kind of put some statistics around that so we can kind of feel, figure that out. I'm encouraging all my friends like like you, Joel, to, again, we know it was Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Is J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and Goldman Sachs, and then Walmart, right? Uh-huh. If we can get those you know, the seven, eight companies to talk to us because they're the best actors, right? right? They're the best of the class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy for me to, if I say, hey, Joe, you're doing good work. Help me understand what you're doing so we can all address this issue in a positive way. You know, so anyone that has a relationship, you know, a bank relationship, foundation relationship with any of those companies to say, we heard you did well. Can we, can we talk to you? Can we, any, you know, any conversation, any relationship building effort, I think is going to help us. You know, the goal is to get more capital, not to even celebrate the winner or, you know, criticize the folks who are not who are at the bottom of the list. It really is ultimately to help all of them be able to meet their commitment. Mm-hmm. And so anybody that you have a relationship with, you see at a conference, we should be saying, hey, can we can we get you on the show? Can we sit down with you? Can we talk to you about, yeah. you know, how, why, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a logical next step is to, um, you know, kind of do that because, uh, again, it's, it's about growing that foundation. You know, it's good to kind of uh, put it out there. One thing that the Goldman Sachs credit, 
they have been putting out money for a long time, even before the George Floyd situation. So yeah. we certainly want to give them credit for that. You know, but then again, watching and, and seeing the others follow through is, is very important as well. And uh, I think that is a, a really good next step is to, to actually do that. Question also uh, is maybe to put some statistics around how much of this is is real estate, how much of it is um, is other tech companies, incubators and, and companies of that sort. I don't think we pulled any data on that, have we, at this particular point? We have, again, this was trying to ease in, George, as I said, I think right. there's a whole lot of opportunity by company size, by capital type, right? Is it angel? Is it grant? Is it CDFI lending? Is it traditional bank lending? By sector, is it startup? Is it, you know, is it high, is it tech? Is it the consumer facing Main Street business? Is it real estate capital, real estate developer? A lot of questions to people of color, urban, rural, any geography specific. Yeah. Again, a lot of places you can go for this, go with this. Again, the thought is how do you have my desire is to have a conversation and to be building this mm-hmm. knowledge base out with the with some subset of these 31 companies that will say, you know what? What we're learning can inform others. And, you know, to get around just the straight PR span of the big yeah. announcements that people say, you know, let's make this better together. Yeah, yeah, no, very good point. Very good point. I want to also, um, you know, give you credit for, you know, pushing this forward and and literally walking the walk with that. I wasn't aware of it. I ran across this earlier, but uh, you had an article published last year in the um, in Fortune magazine for Black entrepreneurs. Inequality starts with the pre-seed round. I'm sure you remember that article since you wrote it. Sure, uh, sure. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what you were trying to achieve with, with that article and what were some of the high points that you were hitting on. And I encourage everyone... So I'll go take a look at that as well. It's in Fortune Magazine, September of last year. Yeah, thank you. So at, at Rutgers, we've been running capacity building programs now for 12 years. We won awards for them. Hey, uh, whether it's the startup entrepreneur, the tech entrepreneur, the guy who's three or five million trying to get to 10 million. We have all of the professors and subject matter experts to do training capacity building technical assistance programs. Mm-hmm. It was only a few years ago we kept I started to feel like all the training programs without any money is like workforce development training without a job at the end. Right? Yeah. And so as we talked to people about getting capital to entrepreneurs, the first thing people said was, well, they need more capacity building. It's like, well, I get that, you know, but, you know, can we figure out how to get capital? And it was the, the analysis of all the types of capital. We have one professor who's done some really noteworthy research on small business innovation research grants, federal government grants. You know, there was a whole lot of grant programs, both corporate and philanthropic that came out of the pandemic and, you know, post George Floyd's murder. So grant capital, you know, we started an angel investment fund at Rutgers with individuals and some corporate partners who, you know, agreed to put the first 50 to $100,000 in before people get into accelerators. We've done stuff with real estate crowdfunding and crowdfunding platforms. Mm-hmm. So it really is, how do you just help entrepreneurs get capital? Mm-hmm. Whether it's loans, traditional CDFI, venture, angel, grant capital, just you know, how, just how do you solve that issue? And we're learning a lot, man. Even now, we, we got some money from uh, at Rutgers from some two foundation partners to do early grants that would help 
black businesses build a relationship with traditional banks and or CDFI partners. It could be the first laws money who could pay for an accountant or something like that. And so we're trying to just learn more about what, you know, everybody always says access to capital, access to capital is the challenge. Well, we're now trying to figure out, okay, let's just, and we're small centers. So we're trying these pilots and say, let's do this. Let's do more of this. This works, this doesn't work. And um, keep writing about what we're learning. So there's another article I think we're we're working on right now that is, you know, here's what we've learned about access to capital okay. for black entrepreneurs over the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that, that sounds good because, um, you know, at the end of the day, we all know what the need is, but you still have to plug it in the wall, right? You know, right. Like, I don't have no electricity, but yeah, somebody's got to get up and stick the plug in the wall and make things start flowing. So very good work in that regard. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I champion what you're doing and I certainly appreciate it from that standpoint. I know we're going to end a little early today, so I want to go ahead and open up the line. If you guys have any questions, pull in there, go ahead and put those in the chat and we'll, um, we'll start addressing those as well from that particular standpoint. So while we're, we're waiting on those to, uh, to come in, I did want to mention that maybe in another six months uh, in the fall, maybe we could circle back again and uh, let's see if you know, we can work on um, trying to put those other pieces together, putting the statistics around the capital that has actually gone out the door. Uh, I think that would be actually a, a great next step. And I'll do um, my work with my team to see if we can get some of these individuals and corporations on the show so we can talk about exactly how they're executing in that particular regard. So we appreciate that. Go ahead, Lanier. Let me let you finish before we... No, I'm just going to say J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Walmart. Yeah. Who's the top four? Tech companies, Google. Amazon, Facebook, right? So we can get those folks to talk to us. Yeah. Hey, you guys, you know, people believe in what you're saying. How you doing? And you know, what can we learn from you? That's that's the next part of the conversation we want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I appreciate that, Glenn. Go ahead. How you doing this morning? Thanks for being here. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Ladia. Thanks for morning. the conversation. Had a question. Does the program at Rutgers that you lead, does it does it operate in the capacity like a, you know, how the Small Business Association will take small businesses, bring you in, counsel you, you know, kind of walk you through the process of where you are and where you need to be? Is there a component of your program at Rutgers that's structured like that for yeah. the general population, not someone yeah. necessarily enrolled? Yes. So the center I lead is opens the door to the university and make space equipment and resources available to entrepreneurs who are not Rutgers students. So every university has an entrepreneurship program now that is focused on students. My job is not, you know, 90 percent of the folks that we assist are not Rutgers students. They're entrepreneurs in, in the, you know, in the community. Uh, initially, you know, we started our work focused on newer. We're increasingly doing more work across the state and even, you know, across the, the region and some work even out around the country. So, and it, it does. We have programs that are six weeks. We have some programs that are nine months, where it's, you know, once a week, once a month, you know, okay. again, trying to meet entrepreneurs. Some folks who are just, you know, at hundred, $200,000 revenue trying to get to a million. And some, as I mentioned, that are startups that are just what idea, you know, and, and trying to figure out how to get the early stage capital. And then we have some, done some great work with the New York, New Jersey Minority Supplier Development Council, 
to scale businesses who are generating more than three or five million dollars of, of of annual you know income now. Okay, that's great. Do you have a satellite at your Camden campus? Because I'm in I'm based in great. Philadelphia. So you know what we don't get is a great question. You know, Rutgers is uh, I, I've been here about a year, so our practice our center is based in Newark. We do some work in New New Brunswick, and it's on my goal to try to get our work down to uh, to Camden. We haven't yet, but uh, you're in Philly now. Now I got somebody to uh, to rally around to do more work in Camden. Yeah, certainly. And if you put your information in the text or the website. I'll grab it down and I'll make sure to follow up. Yes, yes. Sure Thank be. you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Glenn, appreciate that. Yes, sir. And just always uh, participating in the program. All right, Uriah, uh, thank you as well for being here today. We always appreciate your support. Does any thoughts on a repository to help navigate the programs, grants, and loans from these uh, corporations? What do you think? It's a good question, and it's probably one that... Um, you know, probably me and you and they are going to need to put together at some point. But um, how would you answer that question? I've seen various lists, various programs, various, again, even more rigorous analysis. You'll see a chart around. So I think that I, I believe someone is attempting to do just that. I've seen some articles or website, you know, um, some, you know, some social media type of indication or announcements, but it's a great idea and it needs to be done, right? The question is, you know, who's doing it, who has the staff capacity, follow through to really be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I really do hope that 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 is happening. And if not, it's something we all should try to make happen. Great. Good point. Good point. You're right. Does that answer your question? Anything else you want to add to that? If you know anyone that's doing it, we should be talking to that. That would be great too. Yes, sir. Great insight. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate that. All right. So that's um that's pretty good. Let me uh, address one other thing before we uh we let you go and get you out of here. You mentioned about some retail projects that you've done. Um, I'm assuming those are up in Chicago. Yeah, I wanted to know what was kind of the story behind those and how those came together because it sounds like it plays in in line with what we're talking about today. Yeah, we are. Uh... We have three commercial properties in Chicago and one in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to raise new capital to, to buy additional properties. The way we sort of approach it is we try to find small, well-traveled, little community strips, shopping centers. It's the place where you go for a drugstore, Rite Aid or Walgreens, you know, carry out pizza or chicken, you know, the place you go, Dunkin' Donuts, the place you go to all the time. And even during the pandemic, what we found is these places, you know, they weren't quote-unquote essential, but it's what we travel to. You go get your nails done, you go grab a carry-out pizza, you go to the drugstore down down the street. There was nobody of color that had an ownership stake in it. So these would be right in the middle of Black communities, but always have absentee ownership. And in some instances, you know, deferred maintenance, people just sort of milking the cow, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. The thesis was that if if people with the little as little as a thousand or two thousand dollars of an ownership stake, they would patronize the shopping center and protect it in a different way. And that this could be an anchor for the community or a little, you know, some, some place that we can all invest in and feel pride around. 
and ultimately grow, right? And that if there was little ownership stake, you know, maybe crime would go down nearby the shopping center and you come up with strategic plans to get more businesses developed around the shopping center. You know, we've hired people of color to own and manage them. So it's that, you know, real, again, hands-on, both community strengthening, but also individual wealth building. And we're hoping over time you'll have these, you know, sort of macro benefits of that will be evident of impact in a neighborhood. And so that's been our work. The last one we did in Baltimore, I'm going to put it in the link here. We, we bought it for about $6 million. And we, you know, we put up about 700000 of our own money and raised 300000 from local, Black, local, and small impact investors, 130 of them. Uh-huh. It was really exciting to put it together. And we're one year into a, what would be a seven to 10 year project, but uh, really excited about it. Okay. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Any um, any development at all in your future as it relates to that? You're just mainly doing acquisition value. Yeah. So I think for a minute we like we think there's a little niche on buying these ten to a hundred thousand square foot shopping centers mm-hmm. and redoing them. So you know some workers, you know, again because they're right in our neighborhoods and they're the first, you know, they're big commercial corridor projects and typically. You know, your first impression of a neighborhood is that commercial corridor. When you see strips in a neighborhood with, you know, $30 store, you know, check cashing, you know, you have an impression there and you lose, you know, opportunity to have middle income families feel comfortable there. So the question is, can we buy these fine city and other favorable financing that, you know, do renovations and, and then be strategic about leasing in a way that, the shopping center strengthens the neighborhood. That's our goal. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's encouraging. Um, glad to see, you know, you're stepping back into uh, retail because we know retail took a real hit, but, you know, this is the time to buy retail, right? When uh, when exactly. things are, are depressed and, and ride the wave back up, so. Yeah, and, and I always talk about this as really services. So you probably can't go into any of our shopping centers and buy a, a sweater or, you know, you won't see shopping. It's just services, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the state farm office, your dentist, you know, about 30% of tenants are healthcare, okay. your dentist, the MRI center, that kind of stuff. So um, if you see any smaller 20, 50,000 square foot shopping center in a black community, we're intentionally trying to buy them. So if you see something that looks like it's been not loved or aware of an owner that might be considering selling, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're a logical buyer and a caring buyer and typically can get support of the city officials, you know, to, to with the strategy of more inclusive ownership. Right, right. Is there any ge- geographical restrictions on that? Like just the north? Right now, not now. I mean, we're, you know, it's like anything. We're a small company, so we're looking for opportunity. And, you know, how do you grow without being spread too thin? But we're, you know, we're looking, right? We're just trying to find out, what, you know, so we own something in Chicago and Baltimore. We have a great group of entrepreneurs down in Columbus, Ohio, that I'm excited about working with. And we're looking at other places as well, Detroit, Cleveland, any of that. Okay, okay. All right, sounds good. We'll, we'll keep our keep our radar up. And um, as those opportunities come across, we'll, we'll certainly let you know about it. I see Glenn's comment in the chat. Glenn, you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's find something to do. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to respect your time. I know we yes, we were going to wrap up a little early today because uh, you got some other things to do. Any concluding comments that you want to share with our our, our listeners? Yeah, I, I just think our work is we got to keep this evolutionary, not red. We got to keep pushing 
This is a moment where we can talk about Black economic development, Black real estate development, Black community development without apology. And we just try to kind of get as much done as we can while this moment is here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, leverage all our relationships, secure capital, attempt big projects, you know, attempt a small project, mm-hmm. ask for grant capital. We should all be putting, you know, full steam ahead on, you know, trying to get stuff done in our communities and, and, and for our people right now. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. We know that window will eventually close, so, you know, at least we hope it won't, but, you know, it's, it's quite possible that we we'll do as much as we can while, while we got it, while we got an opportunity. There you go, there you go, absolutely, and that's really the bottom line. So, Lanier, we, we certainly appreciate it. As always, you're a welcome guest here on the Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. And uh, we will certainly follow up in about uh, six months or so. Let's readdress this issue. See what progress is being made. Uh, I'll work with you um, certainly offline as we've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, see if we can put together more of this research data and uh, get some of these folks on the show as well so we can talk about these issues. So. Very good. And Joel, I appreciate your work on this. I mean, you, as you said, behind the scenes, helping us get people to complete the survey, mm-hmm. giving us voice on your show this morning and, and the, you know, the prior opportunity. Mm-hmm. So thank you, man. I really appreciate you. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap up for today. We thank you so much for, for being here, as was mentioned. We um, look forward to seeing you next time when you're here and uh, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off. So we all right, man. Good day, everybody. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.